Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today, we're returning to one of our favorite topics, debriefings. We dig a little bit deeper into how to make them more effective. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Are you frustrated with your progress in the government market? Skyway's team of former contracting officers helps customers of all sizes move faster, win more contracts, and manage the contracts they have more effectively. Go to askskyway.com to schedule a time to talk to Kevin and learn more. Okay, let's get started with more conversation about debriefings. We've done multiple episodes where we've talked about debriefings. We've covered the what, the who, the how, the why. Yeah, we could camp out in the topic of debriefings. I mean, they, they appear in FAR Part 14, FAR Part 15, and through several provisions and clauses in, in government contracts. I'm not sure we could ever fully unpack them, but <laughs> we'll do it one little bit. <laughs> we'll try. It's a complex area, and it's interesting because it's a blend of process and relationships. At its core, a debriefing, it's a critically important avenue to improve the communication between both sides and increase the chance of your next win. Not not the win that you just are getting the debriefing on, but the next win. <laughs> right, right. We'll get too, to that in a minute. Too late for this one. Based on having participated in debriefings from both sides now, from industry and government side, the best advice I can give is studying the debriefing like a scientist, but practice it like an artist, because no two debriefings are the same. Okay, before we get deeper into today's debriefing topic, let's stop and say thanks. I want to say thanks this time to Leah Heimbach from Healthcare Management Solutions. Uh, great podcast feedback. She said that she uses, or her company uses the podcast as homework for their management team to help them continue to get better by understanding the CEO's perspective. All right. Thanks, Leah. Today, we're going to come at debriefings from a different angle. Before we do that, let's do a quick review of debriefings. When you submit a proposal and the government doesn't pick you, so you've lost, You're usually entitled to a debriefing. There's pre-award debriefings and there's post-award debriefings. We've talked about all that stuff. Today, we're in the post-award debriefing phase. So this is where the contracting officer explains to you why you didn't win. They're at the end of the process. They've selected a winner. They're going to tell you why you lost. For more context on debriefings, check out episodes number five, number six, number 155, and number 169. We were talking the other day, Kevin, and you brought up Some debriefings feel like you're on the offense and some debriefings feel like you're on defense. Explain what you meant by that. Yeah, they can feel like a boxing ring. Uh, Sometimes the the attitude of the debriefing is this is like a follow-on battle from the competition, and that's not what they're intended to be. So instead of gearing up for a fight ahead of time, instead of training for it, instead of all all the pomp and circumstance of marching to the ring and having everybody cheer you on, yeah, go get them. What you really want in a debriefing, you want it to feel like you're going to have a conversation. Like instead of walking into the arena and up to the ring, you're, you're walking into a nice lounge where everybody's chilling out on comfortable couches and maybe have a cocktail. You're just going to have a conversation and get to know each other better. Yeah, and, it, and those are two extremes. But in between, <laughs> those, in between those two extremes, you get our point is that's where the truth lies. Let's start with offensive, not offensive, which is a different way to pronounce the word with a different meaning, but offensive debriefings. What's it feel like when the government is on offense in a debrief? When I'm a CEO and I'm on offense, it feels like it's a bully pulpit. I'm giving you a few details. Basically, you're going to get a letter from me that says, you lost. Have a nice day. Please try again. 
I'm oversimplifying it, but I've done that. I sent a letter and said, this, this constitutes your debriefing. There was no interaction there. That was me just saying, I'm going to push you away. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to push my way through you with poof. You got your debriefing now go on your merry way and please come back. (laughs) And when you get that on the industry side, you're like, well, thanks a lot. Great. I lost. How about telling me why? How about giving me any reason? Now, if it is the kind of thing where it was a pass fail and you clearly didn't pass, or if they say, hey, the winner's price was this and your price was twice that, maybe you understand a little bit, but you still want some details. You don't just want you lose, go away. When industry's on offense during a debriefing, this is this is where the company comes into the debriefing with a grievance or a perceived grievance. And you can sense it when they walk in the room if you're the contracting officer. Yeah, I had one where before the guy sat down, he said, just to let you know, I'm going to protest. <laughs> so how do you think it goes from there? Do you think the government is ready to open up and share a lot of details? Or do they yeah. just say, well... We might as well just get this over with because we know we're going to have a lot of paperwork next. It was very clear from that moment on who was on offense and who was on defense in that boxing <laughs> ring. And just because you come in on offense, that doesn't mean you're actually going to win in the end. So you just said you already know who's on offense and who's on defense. When the government's on defense, either by choice before it starts or they, they're put on defense by the, by the attack that comes in from industry, What's that feel like? This is where, as a CEO, I'm going to revert to a script. Uh, it's going to feel robotic. I mean, from, in, from an industry perspective, I'm going to make them pull every detail out of me because I, I'm afraid to screw up anything because you're looking for protest fodder. I am, I am giving you the absolute bare minimum required by FAR 15 and not one inch more, and that's defensive. Right. Even if you planned, even if the government planned to share more information – if the contractor comes in and says, just so you know, I'm going to protest, you know, before I even have a basis, I've already decided I'm going to protest. The government reverts right back to the script. All right, I am not going to freewheel. I'm not going to attempt to share real information. I'm just going to read the script. And I've been a part of those. I've told the story several times that my worst debriefing ever was a very painful loss on a large program where the government clammed up. They had lawyers in the room and they wouldn't do anything except read slides and would not communicate. But the owner of the company eventually said, look, if, if all you're going to do is read, just just email me the slides and and we'll go home now. Not a very productive debriefing for either side. Industry can also come into a debriefing on the defensive. I remember one where they came in and said the tone basically was, we're not really this bad. We just we messed up the the pricing piece. In fact, it, in that scenario, the owner of the company threw his pricer under the bus and pointed out how he messed and the guy was in the room. It was really awkward. He messed up the 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 pricing piece here. Price wasn't the only reason they lost, by the way. It was awkward. He was in the room while they threw him under the bus. <laughs> at least leave him back at the Leave him in the car or something if you're going to throw him under the bus. I, I remember thinking, did he just fire you in front of us? But whatever. Wow. Um, it was awkward. But the, the the lesson here is that they were spending a lot of time trying to convince us that they weren't really that bad of a company. And so think about what's happening here. Debriefing, is, we knew they didn't win, and we knew it's because they screwed up the proposal. They knew they didn't win, and it's because they screwed up the proposal. So to continue to talk about that during the debriefing doesn't really give us any new information. And 
the best debriefings are focused on getting someone, usually industry, new information. Yeah. I've had, I've had debriefings where industry spends that time trying to explain why what they proposed really is what we wanted, even if it didn't meet the objectives of the evaluation criteria. And we've talked about that a bunch of times. The time for that is is pre-RFP during the, the capture shaping market research phase. That's where you have a chance to explain to the government why what you do is what they want. After you've already lost fair and square, not really the time, but it but it is sort of a, a defensive thing. It kind of explaining why the why the government is is was wrong in their evaluation criteria, which is way past time to do that. Yeah, yeah, the, the ship has already sailed on that one. So instead of settling for offensive or defensive as your only two choices, there is another approach. You can attack the same problem by sitting on the same side of the table and facing the problem. Because here's the problem. Contractor lost and wants to know why. Both industry and government are trying to answer that question. Why did they lose? Now, here's the thing. The government knows why, but they have to explain it to the industry. Well, if, you're, if you're both sitting on the same side of the table philosophically, looking at the problem, saying, okay, how do we solve this problem? So how do we do this? Step one is the government team sets the expectations. Explain, go into this understanding. They want to know why did they lose? Not, not why did the other guy win? But what they really need to know is why did they lose? What they want to see, what industry wants to see is things like these three areas were very weak and here's why. Now, if you're both on the same side of the table addressing why they were weak, it's a different temperature in the room. Yeah, a lot of times that you what you get in the debrief, the government says, "Your this was rated weak." You know, this was this was rated as a weakness. Period. That's all you hear. Okay, why did you think it was weak? Because we obviously thought that was strong, or we wouldn't have taken the time to write it. And, <laughs> and, and I know, I know, it's difficult. A lot of times, the government doesn't want to get into too many details because they're afraid they'll say something that triggers a protest, but. In the end, that's that's the evaluator's opinion of why that was a weakness. That's where the government, if they feel like they're sitting on the same side of the table as industry, hey, we just want to learn, help you learn why you lost, is a more productive approach to debriefings. I, I just had this picture in my head of everyone actually sitting on the same side of the table and how awkward that would be. So you're right. You're <laughs> right. It's philosophically. So the government, when they're preparing for the debriefing, if they just ask the question, if I was the contractor – what would I need to understand in order to walk away feeling like I lost fair and square? What would I need to understand in order to submit a better proposal next time? If the government starts with that thought process instead of, I'm going to tell them the minimum so that they don't protest, there's a much better chance that industry actually will learn something and submit better proposals the next time, not say, forget these guys, I'm never submitting a proposal to this agency again. And industry can enable that by understanding that the goal of the debriefing is to learn how to get better. Learn what you did wrong. Learn what they didn't like so that you can win next time. The goal of the debriefing isn't to come in and learn how you can protest and how you can win this one. Protests are not a high percentage of win activity. If the government made an egregious error and did not follow the rules that they set up, you can win a protest. But if somebody submitted a proposal that was rated more highly and was lower priced, there's not really a way to protest yourself into winning that one. The way industry can set the stage for walking into the lounge with the couches and the cocktails, not the boxing ring, 
is to say right up front, we don't plan to protest. We are here to learn so we can win the next one. We want to understand how we came up short here. You can do that when you first walk in the room instead of saying, we're going to protest no matter what. Or you could even do it when you respond to the contracting officer when they say, do you want a debriefing? In your letter, you can say, yes, we do want a debriefing. By the way, we don't plan to protest. We really want to learn where we fell short and how we can do better next time. If you start out with that in the letter, then the governments, when they're preparing the debriefing room, they don't even set up the boxing ring. They bring in the couches. <laughs> That's a great visual. And, and we have to choose to start with the same side approach. Because if you don't choose to start with the same side approach, you're going to end up on either offensive or defensive. So choose the collaborative approach first. It's not always possible. We understand that. I mean, there's, but let's not pretend that the whole world's kumbaya and there's you know, butterflies and, 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 and lollipops. Because it sucks to lose. I mean, it's, it's hard to not be very, very angry. Yeah. It, it, but the thing is, it's never going to happen if we don't at least attempt to start with it. It's not magically going to be a collaborative approach. We have to choose that right. first. And then sometimes we descend into madness and the boxing ring comes out. That's just, you know, it's business. I get that. We failed to even talk about the acquisition and execution time zones when we got this one rolling. By now, if you've been listening to the podcast, you've probably guessed that this is the source selection zone. This is the last piece of the acquisition time zones right after the decision has been made before you award a contract and move on to the execution time zones. Kevin, why is it so important to think about this third option for debriefings rather than just offensive and defensive? It's important because we're not necessarily taught of this collaborative approach when we learn how debriefings work. You really have three options. You have offensive, deep, defensive, or collaboration. But you have to choose the collaboration. It's not going to come out on its own. And unless we choose it, the default setting, historically, from all the debriefings you and I have been involved in on both sides, they default to either offensive or defensive. Yeah, I think the way I prepared for every debriefing, the way that I was taught, the way the lawyers wanted us to, was <laughs> on the go. government side, was defensive. We need to stick to a script, not say another word, because we might give them a chance, give them something to protest. Whereas if you have confidence in your evaluation, that you followed your rules and you documented it correctly, you can say anything you want in the debrief and it's not going to be protestable. Well, not, not, not anything you want. <laughs> Well, and that's just going to say as big of a statement as that was you just made about basically saying anything you want. It's it's 99 percent true if you followed your rules and you and you followed the overall process. Now, here's the only thing I jump out there from the government side is if you're trying to hide something because you screwed up the, the overall process and you're on defensive because of that. That's a different problem. We're assuming that you're doing this process correctly. Right. Get here. So let's not. Yes. If, there, if this is that one percent, you're like, oh, I hope they don't find out that we actually change evaluation criteria in the middle of the source selection. That's a different problem. That shouldn't have happened in the first yeah. place. So let's not debate that here. So from the government side, the debriefing is one of the best opportunities to share context about this acquisition. And context is required for the contractor to go away, understanding why they lost fair and square. And by setting the expectations that you're going to be on the same side of the table, you're looking at the problem of why they lost. You're, the temperature is going to be different. You're likely to get a better outcome. And, and worst case scenario, if industry comes in and bowls over this idea, like when the guy comes in and says, I'm going to protest, uh, at least you know right away where you are. By offering a collaborative approach, you're kind of like you're on top of a rail, right? And as soon as you walk into the room, if the balance is off, 
the, the ball is going to fall to the defensive side or it's going to fall to the offensive side. But if you try to put it on top of that rail and somebody knocks it off because they want to go in one way or the other, at least you know where you are. But start on top of the rail with this idea of let's start with a collaborative approach and see what happens. We got boxing rings. We got temperatures. We got rails. We're all over the place here. <laughs> all over the map today. Right. On the industry side, if you're coming in to a debriefing on the offense, basically trying to collect protest fodder, you're putting the government on the defensive right away, and they're likely to revert to that robotic reading the script, afraid to give you any useful information because they think that you're just going to make life hard for them with another protest that really, really doesn't have any merit. Even if you find a gotcha in there, the government chose someone else. So why not focus on why they didn't choose you? Yeah, best case, you protest your way into an award. Now you have a combative customer. The government didn't want you in the first place. They wanted someone else. And it's possible that they could be looking for reasons to prove themselves right, that someone else should have gotten the contract. So you have this combative relationship from day one. Yeah, and remember that there, if it's a contract with options, they don't have to exercise those options. And if you protested your way into this relationship, there are paths out of it. <laughs> Just saying. Before we get into the paths out of it, let's wrap this one up. Setting expectations is such a big part of a good debriefing. And if we go in with this attitude of offense versus defense, you're setting expectations. Instead of that, set the expectation of we're on the same side of the table trying to solve the problem of showing you why you didn't win. Great. The government, let them know that they're coming into the lounge to talk. Industry, let them know that you're not, a, you're not even bringing your boxing gloves. There's no intention to fight. Set that expectation before the debrief. And when you walk in the room, you're both sort of at the same temperature or you're both balanced on the rail or whatever crazy analogy that you cooked up today, Kevin, whichever one you want to use. And before we sign off, I want to circle back to one thought from a previous train of thought there. If the government didn't follow the rules, industry absolutely should protest. The rules are there to make sure that things aren't crooked, that somebody wins or loses fair and square. So nowhere are we saying don't protest. You should never think about protesting. There's a time and a place for a protest. What we're saying is go in with the intention of learning and government go in with the intention of sharing. And we're more likely to avoid protests that, that don't have any merit, that aren't based on some kind of fault where the protest could actually be upheld. I don't think there's a problem with a protest where the government didn't follow the rules and someone makes them follow the rules. But the vast majority of protests are due to a lack of information on both sides. And if the offer, if the loser truly understood why they lost, they, they wouldn't bother wasting the time and energy protesting. We've talked about that before. It's not just the price of a stamp. It's incredibly expensive and time-consuming for industry to protest. Even the simplest protest is... Is, is a drain. And the government team, look at the debriefing as, as begin with the end in mind. When you're writing the acquisition plan and you're, and you're doing evaluations, ask the question, and I learned this later in my career, I wish I'd learned it sooner, ask the question during some of those meetings to say, what are we going to say during the debriefing when they ask this? Because that tells you that you're on the right path. If you don't have an answer to that question, eh, something's off. And so you're, you're spot on, Paul. The purpose of a debriefing should be to collaborate and, and get good information. If there's a gap there and it cannot be filled by anything other than a protest, 
that's not a good thing. Let's get ahead of that. It's, again, this, see, see all these things we could unpack. About <laughs> all right, that's a whole other rabbit hole that we'll go down on some other episode. That's it then. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> all right, see you, Paul. Okay, that's it for this episode. Thanks for joining us today. You can also join us in the Government Contracting Podcast Network on LinkedIn. We'll see you there. Yeah.